This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Journey to the Interior of the Earth by Jules Verne. Chapter 27. Lost in the Bowels of the Earth. To describe my despair would be impossible. No words could tell it. I was buried alive, with the prospect before me of dying of hunger and thirst. Mechanically, I swept the ground with my hands. How dry and hard the rock seemed to me. But how had I left the course of the stream? For it was a terrible fact that it no longer ran at my side. Then I understood the reason of that fearful silence, when for the last time I listened to hear if any sound from my companions could reach my ears. At the moment when I left the right road, I had not noticed the absence of the stream. It is evident that at that moment a deviation had presented itself before me, while the Hansbach followed the caprice of another incline, had gone with my companions away into unknown depths. How was I to return? There was not a trace of their footsteps or of my own, for the foot left no mark upon the granite floor. I racked my brain for a solution of this impracticable problem. One word described my position. Lost! Lost at an immeasurable depth, Thirty leagues of rock seemed to weigh down upon my shoulders with a dreadful pressure. I felt crushed. I tried to carry back my ideas to things on the surface of the earth. I could scarcely succeed. Hamburg, the house in the Konigstrasse, my poor Graben, all that busy world underneath which I was wandering about was passing in rapid confusion before my terrified memory. I could revive with vivid reality all the incidents of our voyage. Iceland, M. Fredriksen, Snarfeld. I said to myself that, if in such a position I was now in, I was fool enough to cling to one glimpse of hope, it would be madness, and the best thing I could do was to despair. What human power could restore me to the light of the sun by rending asunder the huge arches of rock which united over my head, buttressing each other with impregnable strength? Who could place my feet on the right path? and bring me back to my company. Oh, my uncle! burst from my lips in the tone of despair. It was my only word of reproach, for I knew how much he must be suffering and seeking me, wherever he might be. When I saw myself thus far removed from all earthly help, I had recourse to heavenly succor. The remembrance of my childhood, the recollection of my mother, whom I had only known in my tender early years, came back to me, and I knelt in prayer, imploring for the divine help of which I was so little worthy. This return of trust in God's providence allayed the turbulence of my fears, and I was enabled to concentrate upon my situation all the force of my intelligence. I had three days' provisions with me, and my flask was full. But I could not remain alone for long. Should I go up or down? Up. Of course, up, continually. I must thus arrive at the point where I had left the stream, that fatal turn in the road. With the stream at my feet, I might hope to regain the summit of Snaufel. Why had I not thought of that sooner? Here was evidently a chance of safety. The most pressing duty was to find out again the course of the Hansbach. I rose, and leaning upon my iron-pointed stick, I ascended the gallery. The slope was rather steep. I walked on without hope, but without indecision, like a man who has made up his mind. For half an hour I met with no obstacle. I tried to recognize my way by the form of the tunnel, by the projections of certain rocks, by the disposition of the fractures, but 
No particular sign appeared, and I soon saw that this gallery could not bring me back to the turning point. It came to an abrupt end. I struck against an impenetrable wall and fell down upon the rock. Unspeakable despair then seized upon me. I lay overwhelmed, aghast. My last hope was shattered against this granite wall. Lost in this labyrinth, whose windings crossed each other in all directions, there was no use to think of flight any longer. Here I must die the most dreadful of deaths. And strange to say, the thought came across me that when some day my petrified remains should be found thirty leagues below the surface in the bowels of the earth, the discovery might lead to grave scientific discussions. I tried to speak aloud, but hoarse sounds alone passed my dry lips. I panted for breath. In the midst of my agony, a new terror laid hold of me. In falling, my lamp had got wrong. I could not set it right, and its light was paling and would soon disappear altogether. I gazed painfully upon the luminous current growing weaker and weaker in the wire coil. A dim procession of moving shadows seemed slowly unfolding down the darkening walls. I scarcely dared to shut my eyes for one moment for fear of losing the least glimmer of this precious light. Every instant it seemed about to vanish and the dense blackness to come rolling in palpably upon me. One last trembling glimmer shot feebly up. I watched it in trembling and anxiety. I drank it in as if I could preserve it, concentrating upon it the full power of my eyes, as upon the very last sensation of light which they were ever to experience. And the next moment I lay in the heavy gloom of deep, thick, unfathomable darkness. A terrible cry of anguish burst from me. Upon earth, in the midst of the darkest night, light never abdicates its functions altogether. It is still subtle and diffusive, but whatever little there may be, the eye still catches that little. Here there was not an atom. The total darkness made me totally blind. Then I began to lose my head. I arose with my arms stretched out before me, attempting painfully to feel my way. I began to run wildly, hurrying through the inextricable maze, still descending, still running through the substance of the earth's thick crust, a struggling denizen of geological faults, crying, shouting, yelling, soon bruised by contact with a jagged rock, falling and rising again bleeding, trying to drink the blood which covered my face and even waiting for some rock to shatter my skull against. I shall never know whither my mad career took me. After the lapse of some hours, no doubt exhausted, I fell like a lifeless lump at the foot of the wall and lost all consciousness. End of chapter 27 Krista McClellan, Tokyo, Japan, November 5th, 2005